Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. What's up, guys? Man, I'm excited. Are y'all excited today? I am excited about what we get to do together. In fact, we were just praying there backstage and I just said, Lord, thank you that we get to do this together Mm -hmm. as a team. You know, uh, we've been, we've been together for a pretty long time now. We, and we are a team. I think we make a pretty good team. I don't know about y'all, but I'm excited about sharing with my beautiful wife. You know, we've been doing this series this last uh, several weeks called the struggle bus. And we've just been talking about the fact that hey, there's going to be struggles at times in our lives. There's going to be things that we go through that, you know, you just face those struggles. And here's the good news is there is hope for your struggles. And we've been talking about that hope. We've been talking about some of the struggles that we face in life that pretty much are the same for pretty much most of us. We talked about faith struggles and what do you do when you're struggling with your doubt? And we talked about last week, emotional struggles. How many had a chance to kind of put into practice just this week? Some of the things that we learned Last week, I know that I did at times. Sometimes I didn't want to do it, but I did it anyway. And uh, and we've learned about that. Next week, Pastor Amber, I'm just going to give the whole stage to Pastor Amber next week yes. on Mother's Day. And we'll talk, and she'll talk about family struggles and some of those things. You're not going to want to miss that. And besides that, you got to get mom to church on Mother's Day, right? But today, I am so excited because we get to do something. We've done this before, but have never done this before in in our church on a Sunday morning in this setting that we get to tag team preach a little bit today. And I was just thinking about that. Like, I know we're talking about tag team preaching But I just got to say this, like, we don't just tag team preach. We tag team pastor. Like, we are a team. This lady here, I don't know if you knew, she's not just the pastor's wife, but she is actually full-time on staff as the executive pastor of the church. And so everything that goes smoothly, it goes smoothly because she makes it go smoothly. I'm just saying, like, yeah. And if it doesn't go smoothly, it's because I threw a wrench in it, you know. But I mean, my job is to be the visionary and to lead, but she is the one that makes these things happen. And she is like my right hand lady, my best friend, my partner. And we don't just, you know, we don't just team up uh, to preach or to pastor this church. We team up to lead our family and we team up to raise our children. Every once in a while, we even team up, play some golf. I don't know if y'all knew, like she's actually a really great golfer and uh, she's got a, a mean driver swing. It's the she only thing hit. I can hit is the driver. <laughs> she can hit that driver out there like 225 yards y'all and I'm telling you you put her on the ladies tee box in a scramble and she hits it out there I mean she's a great scramble partner and uh, I'm telling you we have so much fun together we've been together now as a team for over 25 years 25 years together 20 of those years I'm gonna adjust this seat because I feel like I'm sitting low Uh, 20 years that we have been together married now I still feel like I'm sitting high here we go I gotta make sure I'm not sitting higher than you you know (laughs) 
But God has blessed us in so many ways, and we've had such an incredible ride, an incredible story. In fact, why don't you just tell them a little bit about our story, babe? Yeah, so 25 years is dating and married, of course, but um, so... When I was 12 years old, our family moved to Midland, and uh, Midland, Texas, that's right. We were in Odessa, not very far away, but um, our family moved to, to Midland because my dad got transferred in his job, and we went to this church called Harvest Time. Well, that was a church that Chad and his family had planted, and so I walk into this church, 12 years old. I had these big red glasses, which I'm not lying. They were so cool. But Sally, time, Jesse, Raphael is what they were. Every time tells the story, he like says it's like a horrible thing. He's like, I really saw you when you got rid of those glasses. So, um, but I had these glasses. I was 12 years old. We walk into this church. We meet this family. I'm very timid and quiet, so I don't really, you know, I know their names. I talk to, I'll say hi to the pastors. I'll maybe smile at them. But there's this pastor's kid who's just super cute, and he's a lot older than me. And so, um, years go by. I'm there for two, we're there for a while. We're there for two years. And all of a sudden, you know, I... I don't know. He just is even cuter. And so our youth group went on trips, uh, went to like the movie a lot. And so we'd go to movies or we'd go out to eat or we'd just, we'd go do stuff together. Um, we were a smaller youth group and so everybody would go. So we were all, we were at this movie theater, had my best friend on one side and here comes my brother. He's going to sit next to me at the movies. I'm 14. So of course I make a little bit of a commotion. I'm like, I am not sitting next to my brother at the movies, right? Well, I didn't recognize that Chad was right on the other side of Nathan. And um, Chad goes, well, move, Nathan. I'll sit there. And I go, okay, you know, kind of thing. Like, all of a sudden, it's, I didn't realize he was over there. I may not, may not have made such a big deal about it. But then Chad sits next to me and Nathan, you know, he's kind of setting me up and he's like, you know, Amber, she talks a lot during a movie. She asks lots of questions. So good luck sitting next to her. And I was kind of like thankful. Thank you, Nathan, that you said that because that puts me a little bit at ease. Maybe I could be a little silly and ask some questions. What'd they say? I can't hear that. You know, that kind of stuff. Well, Chad sitting right next to me, all of a sudden, you know, I feel this hand coming over trying to grab my hand and I'm like... Well, don't hate the play. I hate the game. I'm like, yeah, I got so. I'm 14. I got some moves. Chad was, Chad was 17. We do not recommend or allow our girls to date anyone that is three and a half, four years older than them. It worked out for us, but um, it's not allowed. Now I'm regretting. I mean, not regretting that I did that. That was wonderful. But, but regretting the ages and all that because, exactly. yeah, I have a daughter who's now 16 and one who's 14. And right. when I think about the fact that we started dating when mm-hmm. Amber was 14 and now I have a 14-year-old daughter, that's, that's pretty, pretty yeah. scary. But, you know, we made it. I mean, and yeah. we, we dated through the rest of my high school, through my senior year. And then I went away to Bible college over here in Waxahachie at Southwestern yep. Assembly of God. All the lions in the house, you know. <laughs> and, and yet we continued to date uh, off and on a little bit. But most of the time that I was away, we broke up times. once. Yeah. And got back together because I just couldn't <laughs> live without her, that's you right. know. That's, and that's right. we got back together. And, 
And then when I was 19 years old, I got a call from my dad, who was the pastor of the church that we grew up in. And uh, he said, hey, our youth pastor has resigned. We want you to come back and go on staff here at the church and be the youth pastor. And that was the dream of my heart was to be the youth pastor in the church that I grew up in and work with my dad and all those kind of things. But I had one question. I mean, the first question that I asked when dad asked me if I'd be the youth pastor was, can I still have a girlfriend? That was my question because she was a student in the youth ministry, which is something that's a big no-no. We would never allow that now that we are pastors. But for whatever reason, my dad said, yes, you can, you can go ahead and date. And, and so we had already been dating two and a half Two and a half years. years. The church had on. seen us as a couple all that time. And so there was never really any question. We kept our relationship pure and our hearts right with God through that time. And then uh, a couple of years later, we got married. I was 22 Two. and Amber was, was 19, Just turned 19 when yeah. we got married. And now here we are, been yeah. married for 20 years years back in November was our 20th anniversary tell them about our family so yeah 20 years and November will be 21 years um and then we've got Briley 16 we've got um Addie who's 14 and then Easton little our little surprise three and a half year old um which big surprise big surprise uh which has just been so much fun God has, God has blessed us so much and yeah. we really are like living that dream and isn't that kind of what marriage is like you're supposed to be at least because I think like we all have in our heart what marriage will be like but how many know that there are a lot of people who they had in their heart what marriage would be like but it didn't turn out to be what they thought that yeah. it would be and there are so many people who are struggling in their marriage in fact statistics tells us this 50% of all marriages will end and divorce. I mean, let that sink in just for a second. Like half of all people who get married are going to end up divorced. And then there's the other half of the people that get married, but they don't get divorced. And yet their marriage is struggling. Like there are many of you, maybe some of you even sitting in this room today that, Hey, you're saying, Hey, we're still married, but it's not what I thought it would be. We're still married, but we're struggling. We're still married, but we're just barely keeping it together, barely hanging on by a thread, barely keeping it together for the sake of the kids. Or maybe it's just like, Hey, we live together. It's almost like we're just roommates, but we're not experiencing the kind of marriage that God dreamed for us to have. And so I wanted to talk about it a little bit today. I wanted Amber to help me talk about it a little bit today because we have had an incredible marriage and God has blessed us in huge ways and and yet it hasn't been perfect and we've had we've had some struggles along the way and we have some stories to tell I think we have some lessons to teach I think we have some things that could maybe help you to have hope for your marriage today and so what we're going to do is we're just going to break this message down into two different parts we've been talking about the struggle bus and people riding on the struggle bus and I want to talk about what what causes marriages to get on the struggle bus and then we'll turn it around and hopefully we give you some hope to that you can get off of that struggle bus and you can actually uh, live out a thriving marriage that God has for you so if you're taking notes you can write there we're going to do three things that cause us to struggle in our marriage then we'll talk about three things that will help us if you're struggling help you if you're struggling in your marriage so if you're taking notes the first one is this one of the biggest reasons that people struggle in marriage 
is wrong expectations. Everybody say expectations. Expectations. In fact, let's just do a little survey here. I need all of you to help me out and participate in the survey. In fact, let's, I'll start with the ladies here today. So all the ladies, raise your hand on this. How many of you ladies in the room, whether you're married now or one day you hope to get married, how many of you had a dream for what your marriage would be like? Come on, raise your hand. You had a dream. Maybe you were a little kid and you dreamed of, man, one day I'm going to get married. And in your mind, you have that perfect wedding scenario with the perfect venue that you're going to get married at and all, uh, you know, all of the Pinterest stuff that you're going to decorate. Come on. You know what I'm saying? And my wedding day is going to be that perfect day. And my dad's going to walk me down the aisle. And then after the wedding, oh, we're going to move into that perfect house that you have pictured in your mind. You know, the one designed by Chip and Joanna Gaines. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is going to be our life and we're going to get married and I'm going to have the perfect husband and he's going to rub my feet every night. Come on, right? Do the dishes all the time. And then we're going to have perfect kids. In fact, I'm not even married yet, but I already have picked out their names and my husband's just going to agree to those names and we're going to have the perfect marriage. Come on. How many ladies in the house had that kind of expectation of what marriage is going to be like when you were a little girl, right? Come on. All over the room. Ladies are raising their hand, right? All right. Let me talk to the guys for just a second now. How many of you guys, how many that was your expectation? None of you, right? That wasn't your expectation. Your expectation was this. Hey, I'm going to get married and we're going to have sex every night and twice on Sundays. You know, come on guys. Be real, right? Now let me ask you, of all of you in the house, how many of those of you that are married are still dreaming of those things? Come on. Because it didn't happen that way, did it? In fact, you had expectations of what marriage would be like. And then you got married and you realized it wouldn't be everything that you expected it to be. And this is one of the greatest problems in marriages is that we have Pinterest expectations. But then when we get married and it's real life. In fact, it's what uh, leadership gurus call it this. They call it the expectation gap. Everybody say expectation gap. The expectation gap. And here's how it goes. Basically, it goes like this. Is that when what I expect and what I actually experience don't line up, there's a gap. And in that gap, you know what that gap is filled up with? It's filled up with frustration. It's filled up with disappointment. It's filled up with hurt. I expected life to be one way. I expected marriage to be one way. But then what I experienced was different. And there was a gap there. And in the middle of that gap is frustration and hurt and disappointment and and all kinds of things. And some of you, that's your marriage. You had this expectation of what marriage would be like. But then it didn't turn out that way. And in the middle of that, you're you're struggling with because you had these wrong expectations. I mean, I think about it in, in our marriage. We, we struggle with this at times. Like there are times when, you know, maybe Amber said, hey, I'll be home at six. But then she didn't get home at six. She got home at eight because she was out counseling somebody in the church, which is what she does so well. Come on, all y'all know what I'm talking about. And, and yet she got home at eight. I expect her to be home at six. Guess what was filled up in that two hour gap? Come on, right? Frustration. When I expect that, hey, we can get in the car, we're going to drive to, you know, the, the soccer, we don't do soccer, so the, the track meet or whatever, it's going to be an hour drive and I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be a wonderful time together just enjoying one another's company. That's my expectation. And Amber's on her phone doing Marco Polo with all y'all friends the whole way there. 
And guess what fills up the gap between what I expect and what I experience? Come on, right? How many know what I'm talking about? You get married and you're young and you're expecting, I'm going to come home every night and she's going to have a hot cooked meal ready for me. And then you're like me and you get married and you discover that your wife doesn't cook. <laughs> Back, babe, tell them that, tell them that story. Okay. It, it's a well, great first story. of all, I don't Marco Polo in the car. I mean, I might text and make phone calls, but I don't listen Marco to Marco Polo. Polo's okay, with your headphones on. Okay. Um, so but that's our own issue. We need to work that out ourselves. <laughs> we will communicate better about that. Um, so when Chad and I first got married, I had just turned 19 and, um, I was, going to school full-time. I was working for my parents full-time. So I was a busy 19-year-old. Chad was the youth pastor, so I did a lot of the youth pastoring stuff with him. And um, Chad really started to notice that, you know, he didn't come home to dinner a lot. Like, there wasn't dinner on the table. So one time he did ask me, hey, babe, you know, we're kind of getting in the groove of this married thing. You know, when when do you think maybe you'll start cooking? (laughs) And um, I said, well, I said, you know, I... I, I do have a full-time job, and I am working, I'm going to school full-time right now. I'm really just kind of stressed with all that. And he goes, well, I think we can do it, though. I think we, you know, and I said, well, you shouldn't have married a teenager. <laughs> I can't handle it. I can't do the extra right now. So, so um, I still don't cook that much. No, but that's okay, because we learned to close the expectation gap. <laughs> Thanks, babe. And some of you, here's the deal. Some of you, you put all your hope and what your spouse can do to meet your need. Mm-hmm. And you've had these unrealistic expectations. And I'll just tell you this. Let me just tell you something. Your spouse can't meet all your needs. If you put all your hope in your wife, or if you put all your hope in your husband, if you put all your hope in, oh, one day we're going to have kids, or maybe you're struggling in your marriage. I've seen this, we're struggling. Oh, let's have another kid. Let's add that to the mix. That'll fix everything. That's, that's just crazy. I mean, you're, now you're going to add a whole nother life in the middle of all that and expectation. Oh, we're going to move into that house or have that job or that new, that new town or whatever is going to fix it. And I'm telling you, you're putting your hope in the wrong things. You can only put your hope in Jesus. He's the only one that will not disappoint and let you down. And sometimes we struggle in our marriage because we have wrong expectations. Sometimes we even have expectations that aren't necessarily wrong. They just haven't yet been communicated. And that leads leads us to the second reasons that second reason that marriage stru- marriages struggle and that is number two go ahead babe take this one so poor communication is the next one so for many of us these expectations that we put on our spouse and what we want in our marriage um, some of them are just unrealistic sometimes sometimes they're just there's no way they can happen sometimes it's just that we didn't communicate them well so we didn't express them. We didn't tell them what we needed. So the, the expectation was there, but then he didn't tell me or I didn't tell him what I needed. So the poor communication. So for instance, it wouldn't be wrong for a wife to expect for her husband to cook three out of the seven nights a week. As long as I express that's what I would like. That's what I would need. That's what I want him to do for our family. Um, that wouldn't be wrong because it was expressed. So write this down. You cannot expect what you do not express. You cannot expect what you do not express. So husbands, your wife, she cannot read your mind. Wives, your husband cannot read your mind. And so you have to tell them, you have to express what you need. You may be getting better at it, but you still can't do it. I'm just kidding. Um, 
So you've got to tell them. You've got to speak it out. You've got to communicate. Poor communication is one of the things that is one of the reasons why marriages do struggle. We don't communicate well. Or we communicate once and we say, hey, this is good. Hey, let's talk about this. Hey, let's, let's dive into this issue a little bit. But we only do it once. I know Chad and I have had conversations over and over again about some of the things that I need to do a little bit better with some things and, and you know, our, and things that I need to do better. <laughs> and things Come he on. needs to do better. But sometimes you just forget. Sometimes it unclicks. Sometimes you get in the hustle and bustle of life and you just have to re-communicate. You have to communicate again. You have to express what you need again. So um, husbands, boyfriends out there, when, you're, when your girlfriend, when your wife says, I don't need anything... Sometimes it does, right? But communicate that. Make sure and tell them what you want. Tell them what you need or what you, what you notice um, of things that, hey, this is an interest to me. I'm going to tell them what that is. A couple of areas that might be areas of communication. A is family expectations. What is expected with a family at Christmas time? What are we going to do at Christmas? What are we going to do at Mother's Day? What are we going to do at Easter? Um, we need to talk about this stuff because we don't just need to say, oh, we'll just do what we've always done or it's a new marriage or it's a new relationship. We'll just, we'll just do what we've always done. Well, what is that? Let's communicate about, communicate about it because it's not been expressed. So we need to make sure and connect their calendar expectations. This is one of the areas in Chad and my marriage that we are communicating with a lot because um, there's a lot of frustration that comes through our calendar. Um, Amber likes the calendar to be full I like it to be empty There you go (laughs) Chad is very much of a planner He likes to plan things He likes things to be on the calendar Um, I'm one of the I am Let's, Let's fill it up as it comes If something happens and we can do it Let's go do it Or let's be a little more spontaneous But if there's things on the calendar That Chad does And he's okay with that Sometimes he's like Hey, I'll do it If that's what makes you happy Or you want to do it Let's go That'll be fun But if it's not on the calendar Chad gets frustrated because he thought already, oh, well, there's some open space here. Um, If there's too many things on the calendar, Chad gets frustrated. Um, If there's things put on the calendar that I plan to do and I don't tell him, you following Chad? Anybody noticing a pattern here? There's a little bit of a pattern of Chad gets frustrated, but all I have to do is I have to just communicate with him and tell him, um, again, just feeling that expectation. The next thing is see money. Ex- we're going to get off of that real quick. Money expectations. So what are you going to do with our, what are we going to do with our money? How are we going to spend our money? How are we going to save our money? How are we going to invest our money? Communicating that. Children expectations. How are we going to raise our kids? How are we going to discipline our kids? When something comes up that's a big deal with our kids, let's talk about it. Let's, let's express what we're feeling and how we want to get our kids through it. Um, and it's not just what you communicate, but it's how you communicate. Um, it's when you communicate. So it's all about tone and timing. So what's your tone like? How does your tone, what's it, what's it sound like? How's it going to make your spouse feel? Um, what's the timing like? Is there a lot of stuff like weighing down on my spouse right now? Is there a lot of, of work stuff? Is there a lot of relationship stuff? Is there, we've got to communicate it no matter what. Timing has to be right, though, but so does the tone. So, Chad, do you want to share with everyone the next reason? Yeah, so a lot of marriages struggle because of wrong expectations. A lot of marriages struggle because of poor communication. Mm -hmm. But then I think this is a huge one, and this has been one for us that we've had to work through, and that is that a lot of marriages struggle because of a divided vision. 
In fact, here's the deal. Like many marriages struggle because one is going one way and the other is going the other direction. And let's see what the Bible says about it. In in Amos chapter three, verse three, look what it says. It says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? What's that saying? It's saying, hey, if we're going to go together, then we have to have a united vision. We have to be going to the same place. We have to be walking in the same direction. And here's what I see so many times when I counsel with people who are struggling with their marriage in the church is that you got two people on two different wavelengths. You got two different visions. And you know what? You know what happens when you have two visions? It's called division. There is division in the marriage when there are two different visions. So you've got to get together on the same page and you've got to get a united vision, a direction that we're going together as a family. And the Bible teaches us how to do this. We find this in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. This is kind of a controversial passage, but I want you to see what Paul has to say about it because I think it's the secret to having a thriving marriage. Look what it says in verse 21. Submit to one another. Everybody say one another. One another. To one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husband as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body and church. And as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed and cleansed by God's word. Here's the key to having a unified vision as a, as a marriage, as a husband and wife. Here's it is. These two words. Mutual submission. Yeah. Everybody say mutual submission. Mutual submission. Mutual submission. Here's what Paul is saying. If you want to have a marriage that you're going in the same direction, that there is harmony, that you're, there is a vision that you are moving towards, here's what you have to do. I submit to Amber and Amber submits to me and together we submit to God. Yes. In fact, that's what it's saying right there in that passage that I am submitted to God and Amber is submitted to God and I'm submitted to her and she's submitted to me. And we are doing this thing together. And then Paul teaches us how that looks, that the husband is the head, the leader of the household, that men in this room, you are called to be the spiritual leader of your family. Yeah. You're called to lead your wife in such a way. And when I talk about leadership in your family, I'm not talking about bossing them around. I'm not talking about saying, this is where we're going and this is the vision that God gave me for the church and you are just got to follow along. No, no, that's not leadership. That's dictatorship. Yeah. Leadership says, I'm going to love my wife in the same way that Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? Yeah. He laid his life down for yeah. them. I'm going to love my wife in such a way that I'm going to put her needs and her desires first. I'm going to honor her. I'm going to partner with her. I'm going to bring her to the forefront. I'm going to value her, her thoughts and opinions. I'm going to listen to her. I'm not going to just say, well, this is what God said for our family. Everybody just needs to get in line. I'm going to include her in those prayers and in that vision that God, I'm going to love her in such a way that I am putting her first in everything. And let me just tell you something, guys, when you love your wife, wife like that, you will be the sexiest beast to her. She will follow you anywhere when you love her like that. Amen. But here's the problem. Most men, here's what we do. We don't lead like that. 
Instead, we're either one of two things. We're either passive and we just sit back. Oh, I'll just let my wife take charge and don't step up and be the spiritual leader in your home. Or some go, hey, I'm in charge and everybody has to follow me. And then you wonder, you wonder why there's a struggle in your marriage. You wonder why your wife doesn't want to come alongside of you because you haven't honored her and valued her and loved her in the way that Christ has loved the church. And this is a lesson I've had to learn over the years that, you know, I'm not just the boss. Like just because even here in the office, just because I'm, you know, that my title is the pastor, that doesn't mean that I just get to boss everyone around. Because guess what? If people aren't following me, I'm not really leading. If I'm having to push them and prod them and, and get behind them, that's cattle prod, man. You know what I'm saying? Leaders, shepherds, are going and living in such a way, loving their their people that are following them in such a way that they follow them because they want to follow them. And I've had to learn this as a as a, a pastor. I've had to learn this as a as a husband. I've had to learn this as a as a parent that if I will first of all, if I'll listen to her, she's a whole lot smarter than me most of the time. <laughs> And if I'll just ask, if I'll just include, hey, what do you think about this decision? And should we do this? And how should we, I think God is saying this to us. And how should we do that? And what are your thoughts on that? And hey, maybe you should go ahead. And, you know, even like this week, I could have just got up here and preached a sermon about marriage. But instead I said, you know what I want to do is I want to value and honor Amber in front of everyone and let you guys know that it's not just me. Like we are a team. And boy, when you lead, when you lead your family like that, guys, I'm telling you, your wife will follow you anywhere. But it's when you love your spouse as Christ loved the church. And so many of us were struggling in our marriage because we got wrong expectations leading into it. We're not communicating those expectations while we're in marriage. And because we're not, we're not having a unified vision coming together, partnering together to say, this is where God is leading our family. So you say, man, I'm, that's me. We're struggling. How in the heck do we get off of this struggle bus? Well, I think there's three things that can help us. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. Take the first one, Amber. We're going to hit these real quick. Number one is hope. So some of you are here today and you feel like there's no more hope. There's nothing else I can do. There's nothing else that I can can fix. I can't fix this. I'm hopeless. Maybe you have really, really tried. You've read books. You've gone to seminars. You've listened to podcasts. You're doing everything that those things have said. You've even said, hey, babe, listen to this. Or, hey, babe, go with me to this. You've started, you've done everything, but now you're just at a place where you just feel hopeless. Like there's nothing else you can do. Maybe even you're here today and you're like, this is it. Like this is the last Sunday. If I don't see a change, if I don't see something happen, if I don't see um, something change and shift in our marriage, then I'm done. And even to the point where you're so hopeless that every time somebody says, hey, but keep hope. Hey, but keep going. Hey, but Jesus is the answer. Hey, you've got, there is hope. There is hope. There is hope. You say, yeah, but there's no, there, there's no, no way that this can be fixed. You say, yeah, but my past, you don't know what I've done. Yeah, but my husband, you don't know how he's hurt me. Yeah, but my wife, you don't know how deep she cut me, or man, yeah, but we fight all the time. And then the only answer to that is Jesus. It is only hope. It is only what God can do and how he can restore. So your past, you may say, oh, but I've got an ugly past. But we know a God who makes everything new, right? You may say, oh, but my husband or my wife, but God sent Jesus to be the healer, and through him there's forgiveness. You may say, yeah, but we fight all the time, but Jesus is our peace that can break down any wall of hostility. Yeah, but I just don't know if I love him anymore. Yeah, but God is love, and his love is strong enough to rebuild and to ignite a renewed love for your spouse. There is hope. 
Colossians 1.19 um, says all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, they get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies all because of his, Christ's death, his blood that poured down from the cross. Because of Jesus' death and because of his resurrection, because of what he went and he did for us, there is hope. There is nothing that is too broken. There is nothing that is too hurt. There is nothing that is too ugly for him because we have the hope that he gave us when he went to the cross. Okay, what about the next one? Not only is she pretty, she can preach, man. That was pretty. (laughs) You gotta have some hope. But let me tell you something, hope is a great thing. And I hope that you leave today with some hope in your heart. That's not all you need. In fact, I've heard it said like this, hope is not a strategy. (laughs) It's not. Oh, I hope things will turn out and that's good. You put all your hope in Jesus. He is the only hope. But you know what? The second thing you're going to need is you're going to need some help. And of course, Jesus is your help. You come to him. But you know, sometimes you need more than just even that. You need people in your life. In fact, it reminds me of the little kid who one time he was afraid of the dark. And so his mom was praying with him at night and, and trying to leave him in the bedroom by himself. And, and she's like, it's okay to be afraid. You know, Jesus will be with you. And the little boy looked at his mom and said, yeah, but sometimes you need someone with skin on, you know. <laughs> and sometimes that's what you need. I mean, yes, Jesus is your hope. But sometimes you need some people around you to help you. In fact, that's why church is so important. That's why we're always challenging you. Get involved in church. Get involved in a life group. Get involved in a ladies group or a a men's group. Get involved somewhere where you have people, friends around you to lift you up when you're struggling. To be that help that you need. You you need that. And let me just, let me dive into this for just a second here and tell you today. Some of you are here and, and honestly, you might even need some professional help. And sometimes that gets kind of a bad, a bad vibe and a bad, bad rap. And go, I don't want to go see a counselor and that kind of stuff. And let me just tell you something. It's not something to be ashamed of. Yeah. Like Jesus can heal your marriage, but sometimes he will use people that he has taught some things to be able to speak into those. And so sometimes, yes. let me just tell you something. Sometimes the reason your marriage is struggling is because you've brought in all this stuff from your past, all the baggage from when you grew up and where you grew up and your family life and all that kind of stuff that you bring in. And some of you, you, you need to see a counselor, maybe not so much to work on your marriage issues, but maybe even to work on your you issues so that God begins to work on that. And, he, and the counselor helps you to deal with that. Sometimes you go to marriage counseling, not because your marriage is bad, but just because you say, hey, we want to have a better marriage. We want to have all the, we want to focus on this for a while. And let me just tell you something, if that's you and you say, you know what, I I know that Jesus is my hope, but I need someone to walk alongside me and help me. We want to be that and we want to do that for you. We would love to recommend a place, a counselor, a a place for you to do that. If you'll send us an email uh, sometime this week or whenever, we will help you to get connected with someone that can help you because you need hope and then you need help. But then just real practical, Number three, uh, what do we need? You need some habits. So you can be filled with hope and you can have lots of help around you. But if you don't change some habits that are in your marriage, nothing's going to help. Nothing's going to really take shape and take form in your marriage unless you begin to change those habits. And so here's the deal. You, we've heard this said, you become what you repeat, right? So what are you doing in your marriage to make it better? And how are you creating habits 
that are in your marriage that make you stronger, that make you both stronger together. Your life will eventually become the sum total of your habits. So if you want to change your life, you have to change your habits. So if you want to change your marriage, you have to change some of your habits. So what are these? Um, We have some bad habits. You know, we can make fun of a lot of, you know, toilet seats and the way that you put the toilet paper and, you know, where you put your dirty underwear and all that stuff. But those are, those, are hab- those are bad habits, but let's talk about some good habits to create in your marriage so that you... Yeah, let's just get real practical for a second. I want to help you with four, four habits that, that'll change your marriage. Because guys, it's not just what you do once in a while. It's what you do daily that will change your marriage. So write them down. The first one is this, is that you should communicate daily. Everybody say communicate daily. If communication is a problem in marriage, then you need to make it a habit to communicate daily. I heard about one guy who had a a chair sitting next to his bed, and every night before bed, what he would do is he'd sit in that chair, he'd set his timer on his iPhone for 15 minutes, and basically he'd sit in the chair and would not get in bed until 15, for 15 minutes they had just spent a little bit of time communicating with one another. Don't get in bed and do that, because what will happen, you'll fall asleep, right? We don't do that at our house, but we do have a chair in Amber's office. She likes to go in the office and do work and things like that. And at our house, there's a chair there. And, and every so often, or pretty much every day, I'll go in there and I'll sit in that chair. And when I go in there and sit in that chair, she knows, okay, this is the time. We're just going to debrief. We're going to talk for just a few minutes about what's going on. And you got to make this a daily habit. You got to communicate daily. All right. Number two or letter B, whatever it is, write this one down. You got to attend church weekly. You've got to make it a habit to be in church, like in a setting like this every single week. And you know what this does? It's just a reset for you every week that when you come in and you're, you're, you're here, it just resets your mind and your heart and gets you back focused on the things that are important. It communicates to each other and to your family that God is a priority in your life. And I'll just tell you something, going to church every once in a while will not change your life. But if you would make it a habit that every Sunday we're going to be in church. In fact, I'll just tell you this, if you, I'll make you a promise. If you would just give it a year and say, we'll be in church every Sunday. We'll do everything that the church has to do. We'll do first Sunday, which we have tonight. We'll do life track. We will go to ladies group and men's group. We'll get involved in life groups. We will, we will serve somewhere, maybe even together as a marriage. I'll tell you in a year's time, your life will be different. I guarantee it. Cause you made this a habit in your life. You need to communicate daily. You need to attend church together weekly. Let her see. You need to date at least monthly. All right. Now I'm giving you a little, I'm lowering the bar just a little bit here because maybe it needs to be more than monthly, but we have two teenagers, a growing church, a three-year-old monthly is about all we can do. Right. And I, but I'll just tell you something like if you will, if you will learn to make it a habit to focus on each other at least every month where you get away and you say, we're going to do something together. No kids, no talking about work, which is something that we struggle with because we sit down to have a date night and then all of a sudden we're just talking about work. No, we're going to talk about things that we enjoy. In fact, we would love to help you with that. We're going to give away these five dates books, but even if you don't win one, I would, I would encourage you to go online and find it. Just Google five dates. We did this together. It took us about a year to do the five dates, (laughs) but it wasn't because we only had five dates, but just, we got busy, but it really helps you to have some things to talk about and things like that. So you're going to, you're going to, what are they? I got confused here. Date at least monthly, then letter D, you're going to get away yearly, get away together. Just the two of you. Now, some of you are saying, 
I have no time for that. Let me just tell you something. It doesn't have to be a week or two weeks, even a, even a night. If you just said, hey, as a husband and wife, we're going to get away from everything together. Some of you say, well, who's going to take care of the kids? Somebody will take care of the kids. Not us, but somebody will take care of your kids. <laughs> we can't afford it. Hey, you, maybe you can't afford not to. And it doesn't have to be something super expensive. You're just saying, hey, we're going to focus on each other. We're going to put God at the center and we're going to submit mutually to one another. And we're going to create not just hope in Jesus and not just getting the help that we need, but habits that will help us to form a thriving marriage. And some of you are here today and you're struggling. Maybe it's in your marriage or other areas of your life. And this is the message of this whole series. Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the hope. 